Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy, of course, had a lot to say at Big 12 Media Days. And, naturally, a shot to take. You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things Cowboy and Cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you very much for stopping by to make this your first listen. Here on Locked On Oklahoma State, we are available on every single podcasting platform, as well as visually, again, on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter, of course, at AllDayOState. Give me a follow. I like to to have some fun. And if you didn't catch that there, it's... It is true. The majestic, beautiful beard is back and better than ever because we're in 4K now, right? The upgrades have arrived. So if you want to visually have this experience, feel free to hop over to YouTube. Otherwise, let's let's get into this thing right now. All right. So the Big 12 Media Days, the thing that um, I was set to go to and had some stuff kind of interfere. So I got stuck like Chuck at home. I was licking my wounds, obviously, you know, it, it wasn't uh, the greatest week of all time for me, but that doesn't matter. What does matter is we talk about what Mike Gundy talked about. And you could potentially have the conversation about how some of the questions were just kind of, I don't know, random, right? But one of the first things that was brought up that I think we should talk about was Gundy addressed the new clock rules. Let me know down in the comments section. Like it if you like it. Dislike it if you don't like it. And tell me why you didn't like it. But let me know down in the comments section what you think about this new clock rule. I flipping fracking hate it. I cannot stand it. Like, I like that there's a little bit of a differentiation between the NFL and the NCAA when it comes to certain things. The first down stoppage of the clock, to me, it's a big deal. Right? Now we're migrating more towards this NFL style of of stuff, which I guess is fine. But there's some things that separate, right? And I think that's one of those that adds a a good degree of separation. I do not like this new rule. I absolutely cannot stand it. Am I going to kind of address like some of the reasonings? Why? Because it will be a big factor in especially the last six, seven minutes of the game. So now, instead of getting first down, clock stops, get yourself regrouped, get the new play in, get set up, put somebody in motion, confuse the defense. Instead of doing all that, now you have to run continuously. And the key word there is run. This will suit teams that can rush the ball consistently to close out the game that's going to be imperative. So if this rule's in existence last year, for us not being able to run the ball effectively, it would have been a disastrous situation. So I do think that this rule kind of lends itself to the teams that are going to be able to run the ball. If you're a passing only or or a primary passing team, let's say you pass the ball 70, 75% of the game, and we've been there, we've lived there before, which we'll get into here in a bit. But if you're one of those teams that, you know, doesn't really have the big hog mollies up front and doesn't have the running game to – basically close the daggone thing out. 
it is an issue. And the beauty of this is it suits our season very well, right? There's still a lot of talk about Oklahoma State's high-flying offense. That just means that there's uh, there's some people that aren't doing enough research, right? Uh, he also talked about UCF coming into the conference. He has a lot of respect for head coach Gus Malzahn. And UCF's going to have the capability to be really good. I mean, you look at the recruiting right now, it's actually pretty impressive. But I, for one, I don't know about you, I'm not afraid of playing in the Dagon bounce house. Just, just not. Like, I think it's going to be a cool experience. Um, uh, hopefully, I, I get to attend. I think I'll be able to. But this idea that, you know, they're going to come in and wreck shop uh, immediately, that's some of their fan base is kind of putting out there. I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They could very well get served a healthy dose of humble pie, but they, they could be surprisingly good. But I personally, I'm not afraid of playing in the bounce house, especially this season. The year after, yeah, okay, it'll probably be better, but most likely they'll be coming to Stillwater. So they can love the bounce house, but coming to Boone Pickens Stadium is significantly different, and they'll get to experience that, right? They'll get to have that moment. Because I do think it's going to take a little bit of time for UCF to kind of get the two deep necessary to compete immediately. Yes, they're going to have the skill position players to compete. They're going to have a first team that can compete, kind of like a Houston to some degree, right? But there is no experience or there is no substitute for experience. There is no substitute for having the guys at the appropriate times. And we got to take in consideration, this is further down into the season, right? So injuries are going to happen. Your two deep is going to have to play an integral part in your success level. And I just don't know that UCF is there yet. I don't know that Houston is there yet. I don't know that Cincy is there yet. I do, however, firmly believe BYU is. Those are grown A men. Ladies and gentlemen, those are grown men playing the game of football. We all know that your cerebral cortex typically doesn't develop until your, you're 25 years old. So if most of those guys on that team are 22 to 26 to 27 years old, I mean, come on. It ain't rocket science. There's a reason that age is important. And they also say, and I can attest to this, you don't really reach your peak athletically until you're 25. I think, you know, some people are, are a little bit different. But I recall being – um I don't know, in the party scene, right? And one time out of a bet, right, I'm smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, taking shots of whiskey because whiskey helps, of course. And uh, I don't know, I made a stupid bet that I could run the 400 in under 55 seconds. I didn't think I could, but I did. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh, man, you get better as you get older. Right, I feel like I wasted some of my youthfulness. But anywho, what you could do right now to not waste anything is get yourself hooked up on FanDuel. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, it is America's number one sportsbook betting partner for a reason. And you all know that I love traveling for baseball. Matter of fact, hats off. Uh, my, my son's high school team just won Legion B, which is 17U here in the state of Colorado. Legion B state champs, right? So we got a state title ring under our belt here. And now with his club team, we're getting ready to go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for the World Series. 
So this is full swing, right? And right now you go to FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount up to $200 whenever you win or lose, right? So just if you bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 back in bonus bets. Again, win or lose. This is a little bit different. That is 200 you can spend in betting on everything from money lines over under who's going to get the next home run. Of course, it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's absolutely no better place to bet on anything Major League Baseball related than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And, of course, for O-State fans, we're going to hammer the over, which we're going to talk about in a later episode. But do yourself a favor, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get that $200 back in bonus bets. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get yourself hooked up with FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's keep this thing rocking and rolling here. Um, I got to give a shout out or a shout down. I don't know which one it is. To my main man. Uh, Jason Watkins. So he was the guy that I, well, I was going to take Jason from y'all or from what you guys have seen on uh, Sherman Schnitzel Sundays and then Trent had to end up moving to Iowa. So that Sherman Schnitzel Sunday has gotten a little, gotten a little wild. Jason had some work stuff come up, so he couldn't go with me to be my wheelchair operator. So I put in a request for Jason Watkins to come and help me out. And he, uh, he asked me, because he was still going to go, even though I physically uh, was enabled. And, you know, he's got media credentials and stuff as well. So he was working multiple angles. Anyways, he got to go. He asked me, what are the questions that you want you know, to ask Gundy? Because he's an OU guy. He was only there from what I was uh, under, under the impression of. Just kind of, you know, help me get some stuff for the show uh, in regards to Gundy. But anyways, I, we, we covered the three questions I sent in. And instead, my homie, so make sure y'all give him a hard time, our buddy, Jason Watkins, decided to ask about, uh, you know, there's problems in the locker room last year, and what do, what do you have to say about that? Basically, whatever. I mean, what a waste of a question. I love the guy. I love you, Jason. That was a waste of a question. It, it was what it was. You were digging for something that you weren't going to get. And I got to give credit where credit's due. Gundy answered it like a boss, like 100%. And he basically just said that the times have changed. Now, we all know there was a locker room problem. Yeah. We all know that we had to spend a lot of time in the offseason to to fix that. And, and guys like Xavier Benson were instrumental in that happening. And from what we can find right now, it did happen, right? There has been some adjustment. So, again, it was a waste of a question. But just like Gundy said, times have changed, right? You're watching people leave national title teams. They win a big old national title trophy. They start, they play a lot, and then they're leaving. 
after one year, after two years. And he said it's like religion and politics that basically it's really not worth talking about because nobody knows how to really fix it at the moment. We all know that the insignificance of what the NCAA is putting in or able to put in is a major, major problem here. Um, and basically, if we nail the transfer portal, it's not that big of a deal, right? Like you said, you lose 15 dudes, you bring 15 dudes in. It wasn't quite that dramatic for us this offseason, thankfully, even though that seems to be the narrative that everyone wants to continue to pump out is, well, Oklahoma State lost their whole team. They can't be good. And that's fine. Being doubted is typically, it's typically a good spot for Mike Gundy. He typically recovers after having a down year. Uh, Trace Ford was brought up, you know, and uh, Gundy answered it pretty candidly, right? We had a bunch of injuries that we watched the poor, poor guy go through. So we didn't get to see his on-field production. And, you know, OU has a very good medical program, and they do they did, up until recently, handle things a little bit differently. So it gave them a pretty good sales pitch. No big deal. Congratulations to them. Hope it works out, right? I don't view it like Lexi Key's situation or a potentially Kelly Maxwell situation. I think it's entirely different. Now, Kelly, I could give a little bit of grace period because OU is OU in softball, and it was just weird. Like you watched the season and you knew that something was a little off. Something was off and we didn't give her recovery time. Right. She was super gluing her finger and all this other crap. So she could pitch some more. Uh, we all appreciate the tenacity and the toughness, but you know, there, it was just weird. Right. So could that have opened another door for, for OU similar to trace Ford? I think it's very possible. Uh, Brian Ardo's 335 was brought up in basically asking, is it going to be different than most 335s out there? And Gundy's answer was, you know, basically, we want to go from a four-man front, which is what we've had for a long time, to an odd-man front fluidly. And to be able to do so basically 24-7. And we will do a decent amount of four-man front this year. Just like offensively, we will do some, you know, air raid style of concepts, but it'll be very few and far between. We are not a team that's going to be pumping the numbers like crazy. Um, Scott Wright, what, what, you know, somebody from um, a very respected media outlet in the state of Oklahoma talked about running the run game, its ability to utilize the clock, and it will work out. But the benefit for us is we changed our offense way before this new stupid rule came out. we And then Gundy did talk about how we've gotten away from what made us the tough-nosed cowboy culture that we inherited kind of from Les Miles. And we all know that 2005, Mike Gundy had to kind of clean up the locker room and get rid of some people and fix some things, but that we're going to come punch you in the in the throat repeatedly and see how you handle it. That approach, we did kind of get away from that. And it's because we didn't have the big guys up front on both sides of the ball to be extremely productive. So we were kind of square pegging around hole. We wanted to be X, but we really needed to be Z. And it took somebody like Dana Holgerson to come in and help us kind of see that. You've got a bunch of skill positions. You've got a bunch of speed. You've got a bunch of talent. But you don't have the big guys up front to, to give your quarterback a, a four to five, six second pocket. You just don't have it. So – you had to make things quicker. You had to make things more of a track meet as opposed to a grind it out. Well, now 
you look at the roster, as much as people want to complain about recruiting, and I agree, the numbers should be better. But if you've got the guys to get stuff done and they're getting stuff done, then let them get stuff done. Because what, what I have gathered out of this is we basically built a Ferrari out of necessity, and now we're trading that Ferrari in for a 69 Camaro SS. Our reallocation to the running back room is going to be huge. It's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, and no, right? He, he mentioned it's not awkward that OU and Texas were there. It is what it is. Like everybody understands what the situation is. They do add some value to the Big 12 this year. They're both going to be significantly better than last year, at least, at least I think so, which is good for the conference, right? There's still marquee games. Just because of helmet sticker, let's face it, they do draw eyeballs, they do draw ratings, and people are going to be invested to see what they do their last year in the Big 12. Both people from the SEC and other conferences are going to be curious, as well as us in the Big 12 are also going to be curious to see what they're going to be. And Gundy did mention, like, he's old school, right? He hates seeing the rivalries break up because he believes it definitely hurts the game of college football, and it does. But he's not wrong there. Um, and then, you know, where we're talking about no more Bedlam. He says all the time that they left or, or there's no more Bedlam anymore because OU decided to pull the typical Sooner move. Of course, living up to their moniker of Sooners or Boomers, whatever, like a thief in the night. But you all know that I personally, I think that that argument sounds very childish and petty let me know down in the comment section why i'm wrong or if i'm wrong but i hate it i absolutely hate it yes he's right right on 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 its face if ou doesn't leave then bedlam continues yada 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 but to me it just it sounds childish and petty that we're not gonna play him anymore screw them i, I hate it i absolutely hate it i do think we will play the game again it will be obviously someday in the in the future i would guess that within the next eight to ten years because it's flipping bedlam and as much as people want to pretend it's not that big of a game it is and beating a, an sec ou does more for our rpi and our strength of schedule and all the metrics than it did when they were in the big 12 so to me that's a marquee game that we can have virtually every other year that we should have at least every other year like, I hate the idea that people are like, yeah, screw them. They left. We don't want to play them no more. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, he was also asked about Texas being the favorite. And is it right? And he, he, said, it, he said it right. It's pointless. These preseason polls are pointless for the most part. Now, it does kind of matter because if you get ranked top 15, and even if you have the easiest schedule in the world, if you continue to win by default when other teams lose, you're going to end up in the top five a whole lot faster than somebody who started the season number 70 in the country. But other than that, it is pointless to act like we know what everybody's going to be, especially in this transfer market era. It's hard to look at a roster and look at the development of guys over years and say, you know what? This QB has been in the system for four years, five years. This running back's been in the system for three years. This, you know, tight end, whatever. 
if they've been in the system, the same system for multiple years, you get to watch their development. When you watch their development, you can typically put a good idea of what they're going to be. If you go position by position breakdown, you have a pretty good idea because you've watched the progression. So with the transfer market, you don't get to see that anymore. All you can do is go watch highlight and film and clips of what they used to do at a previous school and then try to make it, you know, correlate to where they're at now. That's all you can do. I think a lot of us believe that Texas is going to be better than last year by a decent margin, which means they're going to have a shot to play for something, you know, and and, and going to use Baylor 2021 as, as an example. See, sorry, words are hard for me sometimes. He also used TCU last year as an example. I can't recall what Baylor was projected in 2021, but 2020, they only won like uh, two games. So I'm pretty sure Baylor was probably projected 8, 9, 10 in the Big 12, and they flipping mm, – they won the game, all right? Um, and then TCU last year, they were picked like ninth, eighth, something like that, and, and we all know how that worked out, made it all the way to the Big 12 title game, obviously lost to K-State, which is why I think K-State is going to be the team for me this year. Like, yeah, they lost some people, but – Everybody does. They also brought in quite a few people, just like everybody does. So he's not wrong there. Like, you don't know anymore. You just really don't know anymore what it's going to look like or how it's going to shake out. Uh, he talked about uh, Brett Yormark obviously being a wheeler and a dealer. He has a lot of affinity for Brett Yormark. He thinks Brett Yormark's going to do a lot of good things for Oklahoma State and the Big 12 in general. Because if the Big 12 is successful, then naturally it allows your individual institutions to do more things. And he is very innovative, right? If, you, if, if you're from another conference, let's say you're from the, the, the pack is whack, Mountain West, 7.512. If you're part of that conference, you hate Brett Yormark, and you try to throw as much shade as possible at Brett Yormark. But when Gundy says he's probably the most innovative commissioner in the country, he ain't lying. Greg Sankey has done a lot of cool stuff with the SEC. You know, Warren did some shady stuff with the Pac-12, and then he had to move on, right? So there's a lot of crazy stuff there. But he's been the Big 12 commissioner for under a year. And one of the first things he does is, is jump ahead of the Pac-12 and get a TV deal, a TV deal that he knew he probably could have waited a little bit longer to get more. And there's nobody that can tell me otherwise because he did it halfway through the season. If he would have waited to till the Big 12 title game or the national title game or the final four when, when TCU beat Michigan or when K-State beat TCU, all of those things would have potentially given us more money, more leverage, more abilities. But he didn't do that. He got it done early which was kind of an odd move, but now we're seeing the crap fest that is the Pac-12 and all the stuff that they're going through, and you're like, oh, goodness. Well, thank you, Brett Yormark. The exclusive Big 12 Combine with the NFL, we're the only one that has that. That is awesome. He did that. Talks about you know doing basketball stuff at Rucker Park or Madison Square Garden. It's good for the Big 12. It really is, and it's kind of good for us, too, you know, as long as Boynton, Mike Boynton has a good season because he's from that area. So from a recruiting perspective, if that ends up happening, that's great for us. More realignment is, in fact, coming down the pipeline. It, it's going to happen. Like, it's an inevitability. 
it may not be exactly what we we thought it was going to look like, but it is still coming. There is more Big 12 teams that will be announced. And the, the stuff with Mexico, like that's pretty daggone cool. That gets more eyeballs internationally on your conference. Even if it's just a handful at a time, it's more profitability, potentially. It is. I think that Brett Yormark, in and of himself, is the proverbial dagger to the Pac-12. And guys, when you watch this 17-minute, 18-minute interview, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give our guy, Mike Gundy, at least a 9.5. I think he nailed it. And then while he's nailing it, again, the only thing that I disagreed with was the idea, you know, that OU's not going to participate in Bedlam because they left. Like, I hate that. But other than that, he nailed it, right? And then we get to the very end, and he just has to throw a shot. He just has to. I don't know if it's something ingrained in him or if he's a little salty, right? But he just had to throw a, a little shot. And let me know in the comment section what you thought about it. Was it was it a little over the top or was it just unnecessary? But, yeah, he, he made the comment before he got off the podium that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I've been wrong before. Just go ask my fans. Like, come on, man. You said a really good press conference. A really good setting. You answered the questions. Really good. So why are you taking shots at the fans? And, and again, I don't necessarily view it as that big of a deal. But it's not the first time he's done it. It's not the second time he's done it. It's not the third time he's done it. And although we fixed a lot of stuff in the locker room, we fixed a lot of stuff with the medical stuff and how we handle it. We fixed a lot of stuff with the offensive philosophy and now the defensive philosophy. So... What is the point? Yeah, as you can tell, I'm not hooting and hollering about it. I want y'all's opinions. Like, I just don't understand the necessity there to just take a little parting gift of a shot. I don't know. Is there animosity? Because I think it's ridiculous. Right? There's like a, the West Virginia game made a comment about going for it because the fans, right? But if you rewind, we ran the ball with Ollie Gordon 60 some odd yards down the field, and then we just start throwing it randomly out of nowhere. He didn't bring that up. He didn't talk about the mismanagement of the game. He didn't talk about throwing it umpteen times when it's pouring down rain. While Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon are producing yards, especially yards after contact. It's just weird, isn't it? It's just weird that he finds time to purposely go out of his way to throw some shots at the fan base. Not bad. But very, very unnecessary. Am I right? Am I wrong? Let me know. Again, like it if you like it. Dislike it if you don't, because it's okay. It's okay to not like something. But if you don't like it, say, hey, 
guy with the majestic, beautiful beard. Why don't you uh why don't you do X, Y, and Z? Right? I'm down. All righty, y'all. That's all we're gonna have for this one. But now that we've got the fancy new camera hooked up, uh be prepared for an overload. All right, y'all. You know I love you. As always, God bless. Go pokes. And thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Later, Tate.